Welcome to Being Humankind, with your hosts Brian, Mike, and Neely. We explore what it means to be human in a time of disconnection. What's the most meaningful silence that you've ever experienced? Most meaningful silence. Well, you guys know it's tough to get me silent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, believe it or not, I, I, I am a person, uh, you know, when I'm not out, I, I am a very um, contemplative and silent person. And I meditated for years and years and years. But um, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Hmm. I would. I think I would have to say. I see. There were a couple of epiphanies that came at those times of extreme silence when you're just shutting down and you're just being quiet. Um, and that's what they always say. You know, you can't hear if your mind is busy. So I'm not saying, and don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not into this. The idea of uh, people think that meditation and contemplation is going off onto these different planes and doing that. That's one way of looking at meditation for a purpose of X. But there's times when internal reflection of that, of that quietness of be able to calm the mind down and just be open to let things happen. And I'll say the most profound one in that, in that silence, well, actually there were, there, were, there were a couple. One of them was I remember sitting there and I was just trying to be as quiet as possible. I had some music on and I was getting irritated. So I shut the music off because it was just like, no, I just don't want to hear this. I was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, as no matter where my mind was, I just remember kind of like coming off my chair, going out my house, going up into the space, seeing the world just completely shrink. When I got up there, I looked and my body was completely translucent. And in the middle of my stomach was the earth. Like that oneness, so, so to speak, that really profound, like, whoa. And that was an interesting one in, in the depths of silence, of trying to decide, because I wasn't trying to think of anything. I was trying to do uh, the opposite. Um, uh, there were a couple of epiphanies that I would say. Um, one of them, for some reason, I was just sitting there, and this was before I really made the commitment to join the clergy. I was sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I was in, in front of a door, and I knocked on the door, and the door opened, and there I felt the presence of Christ. And it was like, wow. And then this is what this is how it really gets really freaky. I was leaving because I had to go somewhere. And I was going through the old YMCA in Providence. And there was um, a Providence, they had a, a Catholic newspaper that was at the corner there at one point. And they had on their sign, if you knock the door will open. And I mean, that was like minutes after. Like 15 minutes after. And I mean, talk about the tears coming down, you know. Uh, uh, I can name three or four others 
that were just so, um, one was the opposite. I was very demonic, actually. Uh, I was thinking of the fact of studying some exorcism. Now, once you're in the priesthood, you get attacked. People don't understand that. You do get attacked. You, you demonically get attacked. And on this one particular uh, evening, I was just laying down in bed. And again, that's my time. I just like go up nice and quiet, you know? And I just felt this huge grip of this beastly war just grabbed my body and lifted me right off the bed. And when I when it did, I just yelled, Jesus save me, and this little pinprick hole of light from distant just came by and just hit me in the head, and I just dropped to the bed. So there are a lot of interesting things that happen in silence. When you say about the most profound thing that happened in silence, there are, there are many because you're open to it. Your mind's busy. Um, you never see it. And I make that analogy to people uh, is that if you have two mountains and a beautiful lake, and the lake is just smooth as silk, and look at the reflection of those two mountains. It's beautiful. You see everything. You feel everything. You get that, like that, like in the morning when you look at that sunrise, you get that beautiful feeling, that wonder. Now, take a pebble and go drop it in the water. Everything's distorted. But when it's distorted, you can't receive what's truly there. You don't see the beauty of what's around you. You just, you just can't because your mind is too busy on other things to be open to all this wonderful world. So, there's a lot of fun things that happen. Thank you. Do you have a follow-up, Mike? I don't because Peter's so good at like covering it all. <laughs> well, I think that every time you have one of those experiences, there's something you grow, there's something that adds to you, a new depth. Um, I would say a new viewpoint. And everything that's going on now, let me tell you, if, if someone really would sit back and take the opportunity to look at all of it uh, in two ways, the way of the depressive, horrible, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the aggravated, angry uh, world that we see right now, but also take all the pockets of good stuff that we don't see. Same thing as in that mountain and those in that in that pond. Our mind is constantly barraged with nothing but negativity. It may be one or two little segments on the news of something pretty, something nice. But yet, at the same token, there is a tremendous amount of beauty and good that is that is going on. Um, for instance, Father Jacob, he's he gave up uh, his uh, priesthood, but he's a theologian. He got his PhD. And him and I uh, had the chapel together. He sold the chapel and he went down to the Dominican Republic. But before he did that, he went to, to Europe for discernment to find out what he wanted to do with his life. Well, he comes back, he's about 35, 38 years old. And 
he came back and decided he's going to take his money, move down to the Dominican Republic and open up an orphanage. And that's what he's doing. So we're having constant communication and stuff like that. But he found that one thing that he needed to do. And that's what we don't do. We don't sit and think, what do I really want to, if I asked each one of you right now, what would you do if you never had to worry about money? And there was a profession or something you would love to do and you weren't going to make, you know what, never had to worry about money again. What would you do? You answer that, you truly answer what you should be doing. I'm making the transitions. Place of my age, because believe it or not, in the ministry, you don't make money, okay? It's all outgo, <laughs> all right? Just what the Easter candle for $150, you know what I mean? Um, everything's outgo. Um, Especially since you don't have the chapel right now, you know, where you get the donations that help on stuff like like, like that. But it's everything's just outgo. Um, and and yet it's amazing how you survive. Truly really amazing. But you'll always hear that successful people when they say, Well, how did you get successful? Well, I just wanted to do this and I went off and did it. Takes guts. You will be tried and will be judgment. <laughs> And all sorts of stuff. So just just sit back, quiet the mind, just think about that. Mine was definitely the priesthood, but always I wanted to get involved in public speaking. When I was in the hospitality industry, I saw a lot of public speakers, a lot of you know, these 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 really great enthusiastic speakers. And I used to go, wow, that is just great. But believe it or not. I was too afraid to do something like that. And the reason why was when I was a kid, I studied so bad I couldn't even talk. I had a tremendously hard time. And it wasn't until someone came to me one day and said, hey kid, breathe. He walked away. That's all he said. And then I thought about it. I said, well, yeah, you know, when you study, you tend to tense up you know, your diaphragm and this, you tense up, you're afraid to say the word. You get caught on those words. And it took a while, but I had learned to calm it down. You know, to speak with the mind, not with the diaphragm, or like with your breath. So now how do you use that? Well, Divine Wedge Ministry, I thought it was going to be about writing, but I think it's more about talking at times. But I used that story to kids who were dyslexic for the um, Scottish Rite Dyslexia Center. And I told him about that. I told him a story about a little boy you know, that had this problem. And that you either view things in life as an obstacle or a challenge. If it's an obstacle, you're never going to get over it. You're afraid of it. If it's a challenge, it's something that you know that you can overcome. And when you all do, there's going to be a reward for that. I don't care if it's in the Olympics. right? You get the challenge and you do it. Then afterwards, at the end, I said, I was that little boy that couldn't talk, and I'm standing here in front of you today, and I'm speaking to you about your challenges, dyslexia. And what you went through when you finished this program, I'll tell you right now, you'll never have an obstacle in your life. You'll have challenges, 
but never, ever, ever an obstacle. You already overcame the hardest thing in your life. So inspirational, you know?